ప్రేమస్వరూపులైన విద్యార్థులారా విద్యా బోధకులారా విద్యాభిమానులారా I am like the roaring lion in the dream. My roaring will wake you up from the dream unto reality. This is The Lion's Roar, the DSI podcast all about understanding the teachings of Satya Sai Baba in their truest form. everyone it's Nishevita and it's nice to be back with you all so in the last section of this discourse we met two memorable devotees who showed us the sweetest and easiest method of mastery to give the burden of control of the senses over to god through the power of devotion we've now reached the middle part of discourse 4 where swami drops a few practical tips as he teaches us how to rein in our senses and how to train them to obediently listen when we say no there are quite a few methods of sense control that swami tells us about let's pin them now so we have one lord of the animals number two the deception of pleasure number three desire then disgust number four never idle and number five diversion so let's hop straight to it Lord of the animals. Swami compares the senses to pashu or animals. The vision of the senses is externally oriented. As we saw previously, they constantly want to graze on sense objects. Swami says, we should aim to be a pashupati, lord of the animals by having inner vision. What does that mean? In a Guru Purnima discourse in 1996, Swami explains Man spends his time thinking about the transient ephemeral world and is engaged in activities pertaining to the physical world from dawn to dusk. He identifies himself with the physical world and considers it to be his true nature. Man by changing his outlook from outward to inward becomes the Brahman, the supreme truth. and that's all it is changing our outlook because where we place our attention is what we identify with we can't look in two directions at the same time similarly we can't place our attention on both the outer and the inner having inner vision is to not identify with this psychosomatic apparatus at all number 2 the deception of pleasure Swami says if we investigate the birthplace of sense pleasures carefully we'll find that they all have their origin only in sorrow meaning happiness is not born of happiness if sense pleasure means the happiness we derive from engaging with sense objects doesn't it hold then that it was actually sorrow all along how cleverly sorrow masks itself as pleasure We readily swallowed the bitter pill of sorrow because it's sugar-coated with immediate pleasure. It's like why we eat junk food even though we know it's detrimental to our long-term health. Number 3. Desire then disgust. 
The pleasure derived from the senses is momentary and ultimately lands in grief only. Desires arise one moment and subside the next. Like when you have that one slice too many. Swami actually uses a laddu in the discourse, but let's talk about an old Aussie staple, the humble mud cake. So maybe the last time you had that piece of ooey gooey delicious mud cake, the first three bites were heaven. And then on the fourth, it was like, mmm, that's a bit sweet. And then by the sixth, you push it away because it's physically sickening now. Maybe it might take more bites or slices for you or less, but you get the idea. As Swami says, desire one moment, disgust the next, pleasure and pain in quick succession. He points out that the trick is to simply contemplate on both of these, the deceptive and momentary nature of these so-called sense pleasures. With this awareness, we can develop discrimination and detachment and keep the senses in check. They can't exert their hold on us if we're on guard, can they? Then we have number four, never idle. Swami says, if the senses are kept busy in the right way, there will be no trouble from them. We've all probably heard the saying, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. If we keep busy thinking of God, we wouldn't really have the bandwidth to cater to the senses would we? Now, let's head to the cobblestone streets of London to learn about the fifth and final method, diversion. Swami introduces us to a Christian priest by the name of Father Chalmers. One day, as the priest was being driven down the road, he noticed with alarm that the driver was beating the horses quite mercilessly. The kindly priest, who believed strongly in Christ's message of love and compassion, took pity on the animal and asked the driver, Why are you beating the horse so cruelly? The driver explained, Well, sir, at the level crossing, the cobblestones are paint and white and it scares the horses. I beat them because they're more afraid of the whip than they are of the stones. Apart from learning that I have terrible English accents, along with our priestly friend, we learn an important lesson here. When the attention of any sense organ is distracted by something, it should be diverted to another desirable thing by means of a stronger incentive or disincentive. That's when it'll give up its crazy digressions and take to the right path. This other desirable thing that Swami is speaking of It could be many things, and before we jump to anything our hearts desire, Swami cautions us in Prasnotra Vahini that only that spiritual practice that has as its goal the attainment of God, the realization of supreme truth, is proper. Anything else will lead us astray, away from the goal. In fact, Swami goes on to say we can only call something a spiritual practice if God is the aim, the desirable goal. We've probably seen this happen in our lives a number of times. We start by saying, I'll replace my Spotify time with Radio Sci time. This will help me focus on Swami. And before we know it, our goal has shifted imperceptibly. We're so caught up in who sang which bhajan, then we find ourselves looking up the singer, and then we have a great time mastering all the variations for each line, 
And then suddenly we've forgotten the purpose of why we even chose this distraction. It's so easy to be led away, isn't it? God alone should be the desirable incentive, the permanent goal. Okay, so that's fine. We know that we need to divert our senses from their short-sighted habits to more elevating ones. But how do we actually wean them away from the bad habit? According to Swami, they can be trained with gradual and repeated effort to take to good habits. There's a very digestible example that Swami depicts in the Bhagavata Vahini that helps us understand what it means to make gradual and repeated effort. He reminds us of how babies don't often take to solid food at the first instance. They're so used to the milk that they know and love that they don't even want to try rice. But does their loving mother ever give up? She persuades the child to take a little each day. Just a little bit more, just one more mouthful. Oh, good girl, that's good. There you go. Until the child doesn't mind rice so much anymore. Milk was once its natural food and now rice is, so much so that the child now relishes it. Just like the baby and its rice, we also need to follow the disciplines. We need to train our taste buds until they've acquired a higher taste. I know, I know, the D word can be a bit... unpopular, maybe even somewhat intimidating, negative. On one hand, there's sense control, discipline, true happiness, and on the other there's, well, YOLO. But how we view the idea of discipline is all a matter of perspective, isn't it? We've seen time and again in our own lives that the YOLO-style sense satiation, whilst it might seem to be the easier, more pleasurable path, is momentary and deceptive. Has eating that mud cake brought us lasting happiness? or that epic holiday, or that beautiful song. We've all had that moment where we've looked at our friends and thought, hey, wouldn't life be so much easier? Ignorance is bliss. These things only appear to bring us happiness until the next time that desire arises and bothers us again. It's an endless cycle and we've been riding that pendulum long enough. We've seen the flaws of basing our happiness on sense pleasures ourselves year after year, maybe even birth after birth. It hasn't worked, has it? So why not give Swami's way a go? This week, let's give these Swami-prescribed practical methods a shot. In his 1968 birthday discourse, Swami says something that's heart-rending and heart-wrenching and heart-fulfilling all at the same time. He says... Your devotion to God is best expressed by achieving control of the senses. For the senses rush towards the temporary and the tawdry, thus they foul the heart. I require from each of you no other gift, no more valuable offering than the heart I have endowed you with. Give me that heart as pure as when I gave it to you full of the nectar of love I filled it with. Instead of pursuing the mundane, petty, temporary joys, can we, with all of our strength, let go of it all and instead pursue Him? He's ready and waiting for our hearts. The question is, are we ready to give it to Him?
We'll see you next week in the royal assembly halls of Indraprastha, where flying saucers and end offerings are about to give us God's perspective of this whole sense control business. Until then, stay awesome.